Hey, welcome to episode 99 of Tangible Takeaways. I'm Jackson, and today I'm going to talk about how, with what we're talking about today, maturity is required. And I'm Todd, and I'm going to talk about how acceptance and approval are not one and the same. All that and more on this episode of Tangible Takeaways. Hey, welcome to episode 99 of Tangible Takeaways. Pretty cool. Yeah. That's a milestone. Feels, almost a milestone. Almost a milestone. Almost a milestone. Feels weird to say, you yeah. know? Feels like we're getting up there. You're going to be in triple digits. Uh, yeah. It's going to take more breath to say what episode <laughs> we're on. <laughs> it's going to, I'm going to be huffing and puffing. And. <laughs> yeah. Huffing and puffing as we more go. syllables. <laughs> Man, we're excited though. Episode 100 is going to be pretty legit. Yeah. Yeah. We've excited. got. I, I don't know much about it. I just know. I get to appear in part of it, yes. so I feel honored yep. for that. We got a bunch of guests coming in. We're going, this is what's happening next week on Wednesday. Normally, the episode comes out, I think, at like 6 or 6.30 in the morning on a Wednesday. Next week on Wednesday, we're going live for 100 minutes for episode 100. Sweet. We're bringing on That's a great. bunch of different guests. We're not bringing on 100 guests. Yeah. That seems... <laughs> That seems it's insane. Like how many times, how many ways, like when you're a kid in elementary yeah. school, days 100. Yeah. How many hundred like things person. can you do? Yeah. yeah. So this is great. It's like, well, that's one of them we shouldn't do. Yeah, we shouldn't do that one. <laughs> so we're bringing on a bunch of guests, though, live for 100 minutes. It'll be from 11 to 1240. That's my 100-minute math. And, um, yeah, it's going to be pretty fun. It won't be like a normal tangible takeaways. Lots of games, lots of fun, stuff okay. like that. Prizes to be won for Whoa. those who tune in. So That sounds pretty great. Yeah, so pretty good stuff all around. So, um, yeah, we're excited about that. That's coming next week. But um, but we're here. We got to do 99 to get there. That's right. You can't you know? just jump to 100 from 98. No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> uh, this weekend was fun. Um, just this whole series, I think, has been encouraging uh, I was talking about this with Pastor Kurt last week. I just feel like this series goes so well with the fact that so many people at our church are doing Rooted right now, yeah. are digging in relationally, and so it just makes so much sense that we would be talking about the way that we interact with each other relationally. Absolutely. And um, I think what is so inspiring for me about looking at the one another is, you know, when you group them like this, you would think like, oh, well, they're probably all in Colossians or they're mm. all in what's so cool is they're spread out all over the place. All right. Over. So yeah. it's not just like, you know, Paul got on a one another kick and started going at one <laughs> and point. And do this for one another. Yeah. And, do and, that and to it's one like another. this big list, you know, <laughs> that just appears in one section, but it's spread out all across mm. the New Testament. And I think what's so cool about that is it just continues to reinforce for me the dream that God has for us as a community and as a people, as the church, that we could be something so much better than I think what we settle for often in the way that we interact with each other. And so I'm hoping that what this series is doing in our church family is it's making us a little bit discontented to settle for less when we could be so much more. And I, I agree. And I think that applies to both the reality of even being in some kind of community if I'm just showing up to a weekend worship service, it's great, and, and there's growth that can happen from that, but I have nowhere to demonstrate these. That, yeah. that doesn't happen in a weekend worship service. So there's all these other places where these applications happen, and usually in growth groups or serving or whatever, and that's really cool. But then the other thing is, you're right, I think we kind of, you know, always, pen, oops, we always pendulum swing. And so from uh, Old Testament, who was very clear about what righteousness looked like, we can pendulum swing to just kind of do whatever you want. Yeah. And 
the New Testament is pretty clear that's not the truth. And the way that we are actually called and expected to treat each other, to live towards one another, is so important because it creates not only the premise, but it gives people appropriate expectations. Mm -hmm. And when we don't, we can hold each other accountable. Like, hey, not trying to be a jerk, but yeah, yeah. this isn't Help happening. Me with We're this. not doing this right yeah. now. Or, and, and then how do we, then can we be corrected mm. and can we grow together from it? And I just think by the New Testament providing this baseline for relationships, it's so good because we have something to work from Yeah. rather than like, we'll just make it up as you go. Yeah. Just because there's not 613 laws doesn't mean that there's no expectations. And I think that's the important line for us to be drawing in the sand for ourselves. And I think this uh, accept one another, man, that is a tricky one to talk about today. You talked about a lot of that in your message. I think tricky because, and what we'll get into in a little bit, because of all of the baggage that's now associated with that idea of accepting someone. But then I think also tricky because you might say that the church is one of the worst groups of people in cutting each other off over these gray area issues that we actually embody this like this is one of the ones that we're poorest at as not a high desert church necessarily but as the church church. where you've got this man you're not in my political party you're you're dead to me you're you uh, stand on this cultural issue differently than i do you're dead to me and then you get into all of the denominations right you look at that what Mm. a great example of us literally drawing lines in the sand over gray area issues that's just it's some of that is deeply rooted into kind of the american christian experience and so let's talk about that first in the way that we interact with each other let's say just to throw out a hypothetical so that people can have a frame of reference for what we're um talking about in what this kind of situation would be but let's say i'm i'm a really firm republican who attended this weekend and previously i have said things like man i will just never worship alongside democrats it's they're not christians right like that kind of a level of conviction and i'm hearing this message and i'm saying man that i'm out of line um the tricky part is though i'm never gonna agree with democrats sure so how do i move forward now and accept them as my brothers and sisters in Christ, while we are never gonna agree on where we land in these two parties. Yeah, no, that's great. And I think it all really begins with, number one, if I'm going to take that verse we looked at, we really just were in one verse this week, though we looked all over the Bible at some other places, but there's Romans 15, seven, accept one another then, as Christ Jesus accepted you in order to bring praise to God the Father. So if we understand that, this is what's been great about the one another's, we can really narrow the audience down. They're very much intended to do that. This is with another brother or sister in Christ. Mm. So let's start with that, that when we're talking about the audience of this conversation, the other part is talk about the mandate, like we said, second person plural imperative verbs it's not a suggestion it's a command you are to accept one another when you have when you have disagreements back to the beginning of chapter 14 on disputable matters and a disputable matter is not clearly delineated in scripture you'll have a hard time finding in the bible thus saith the lord be a republican or be a democrat so then you've got principles right but it is a gray area so when you begin to process all those things 
then you realize, and I think the way you framed it was great, I have a problem mm. because I've been acting as though either A, if you're one of these other, if you're the other party than me, you're not even a Christian, which again, biblically speaking, you're going to have a hard time defending that, like you're not going to be able to. But then on top of it, then you have to go, okay, so let's say that's a pretty big boulder in the road for me. And let's say I've even got past the idea that maybe, just maybe, this other person might be a follower of Jesus. Now, how do we have community? How do we have fellowship, right? Mm -hmm. Is what these one another's are all about. And so I think on the one hand, like you said, I don't think the goal is to say, how do I change parties? Yeah. Because it'd be the same way with any other gray area. If, if I struggle, uh, I, I don't think that for Todd, my faith is such that I can drink alcohol. I shouldn't start drinking alcohol. Just because your neighbor because is doing it. he does or she does. Yeah. So it's like, that's not, if I, and that I think takes a little pressure off, right? Like no one's asking me to necessarily change a preference, which is what a lot of gray areas are, is my preference, or even my a lot of my past experiences sometimes influence my gray area behaviors. Yeah. And that's fine. But the point is, is when I move that step further to either say, well, you have to change then, yeah. or I can't have fellowship with you. Nowhere in the text do we see those two outcomes. Like yeah. you make them change, or you just break fellowship. So now we're left with that. We're kind of in, in the pot together, right? Trying to, how do we, these things mix together? And then what I think it comes back to is I really have to take an honest look in the mirror. How high am I holding this gray area preference? Mm. One of the things I was just talking to a staff member today, a book I love called Winsome Conviction. It does a great job on all kinds of fronts, like even this, how to talk to each other about things you might disagree about. But one thing it does is it really helps identify how, how convicted am I about certain convictions? And would I think that the more that scripture speaks to something should increase my level of conviction and the least, the less that scripture speaks, I should have a lesser conviction. Mm -hmm. And that's my contention with the gray areas is I need to look in the mirror and ask, why is this is so important to me? Mm. To political parties, have I made an idol hmm. out of my nationalism? I have to ask the question because if I go back to your statement, I can't even be in the same, you know, I can't worship next to. We're not even talking about you being in a growth group. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot more intimate and a lot more where these one another's happen. That's going to be really, really difficult if I can't even sit next to someone, stand next to someone in a worship service. So I have to ask the question, have I made something much more concrete that God is actually allowed to be much more muddy in mm. terms of how people would process that? Mm. The other thing is, I think it comes back to that, that idea, what, what do we have in common? Like if someone's a Republican, another person's a Democrat, they have a lot of political things not in common, but again, one another's written to Christian brothers and sisters, they have Jesus in common. Yeah. And I have found in different seasons, I've been on the planet for 52 years, that there are times, especially of crisis, we will let those things go and we will pull together. Yeah. And I, I wonder why that can't be more of a daily reality. Mm. Like it doesn't have to be 9-11. It doesn't have to be a pandemic. Interestingly, in the pandemic, I feel like those divisions got stronger, yeah. not less. Yeah. But either way, how do we really keep back to one of our mantras to keep the main thing the main thing how do i keep 
my relationship and my common union with this other person in the person of Christ more focused? And, and can I learn to even just maybe relax my passions and convictions of things the Bible doesn't speak mm. convictingly of? Mm. And so I think I have to, my point is, I got to look in the mirror. Yeah. A lot of times on these issues, we love to look out the window. Well, if they would just do this and if they would just do that, yeah. what do I need? What do I bring to the table? And if I'm making such strong statements, like I can't even worship next to a person of the other party, man, I, that's a conviction I'm probably turned into an idol. Yeah. And what I love, I think in the same section of verses, somewhere between Romans 14 and 15, Paul talks about how each person should be convinced in his own mind own of mind. his or her conviction, right? And I think that's such a, that should take a little bit of the pressure off. The Bible isn't saying that you shouldn't be firmly convicted about which political party you're going to vote for. Sure. And it's like, it like the Bible is not advocating for you holding more of a, like a, eh, we'll see this year. It's like, no, you can, you can be firmly convinced in your own mind. And that's the level of issues that we're still talking about in this gray area where you might be firmly convinced in your mind, and this is the right decision for me. And somebody else who is a brother or sister in Christ might be firmly convinced in their own mind, man, the opposite of that is the right decision for me. And we have to be able to like be okay with that. We have mm -hmm. to be able to live in that tension where we are still related to these people through the blood of Christ. These are people that we are called to do life with and that we're called to love and um, called to be in relationship with. We don't get, there's no, uh, over these kind of issues, there are no outs or passes for us to avoid relationship with these people. Yeah. And so it's like, man, we, it's okay to be convinced in your mind that this is what's right, but that doesn't excuse you cutting out or cutting off these other people from your life because they have a different perspective than you. Yeah. And I do think we have to ask that question, man, where at the foot of the cross, that is where my preferences, my opinions, my will, my plans, that's where those things should die. And if I can't be in relationship with people who have different opinions, different preferences, different choices that they would make, but they still love Jesus and they give their life to him, then I have to ask the question, man, maybe I haven't submitted that thing even to Christ. Hmm. And I think in the political party conversation, I think in so many other of these conversations where we can just kind of get in a cycle of like, this is just who I am and how I operate. I think we have to ask the question, man, have I submitted that thing to Christ first? Because let alone who cares about the other person at first. If I haven't submitted it to Christ, I'm not going to be able to submit it in relationship no. to this other person. That'll never happen. And I mean, it's kind of a, it's, I think a convicting thought for many of us, if we stay with the political analogy for a second, have, have you ever prayed about your vote? Like, is that on the table for you to say, man, if Jesus really led me a different direction than I would normally go, I mean, that sounds like heinous, I think, to some people some. that that would even be an open comp. But here's my thing. He's my king. Yeah. I want to live with my preferences, my opinions, the things I feel are right in the world and wrong in the world. I want to ultimately submit those to him. 
into his way, into the way that he sees the world, because I want to, as best I can, embody that before I embody in my own skin. Well, this is what Jackson really cares about. This is what Jackson really gets offended about. Like, what what offends him? Yeah. What What is a big deal to him? That's what I want to get worked up about. That's what I want to be about. What are the things that he's for? That's what I want to be for before I'm for the things that Jackson would naturally be for. Yeah, no, I love that. That's so good. I also think this too, does accept one another potentially help me with humility? Mm. Because maybe what happens is a phrase we've talked about is that echo chamber yeah. thing that when I was hearing you say that, it made me think about that where I can keep reinforcing, not just to myself, but who I surround myself with. I just want to keep echoing the same ideas. Use straw man arguments. All and, the time. Yeah. Right? We all just think and say, whoever I'm allowing into my life, they just keep reinforcing. But maybe accepting one another, what that does, if I'm going to receive that other person, again, through the shed blood of Christ, that's what our bond is, and these other things matter less, maybe what will naturally come up, rather than me trying to convince them of my opinion, is to ask them, how did you land there? Yeah. How are you involved in that practice? How can you do this? Because that's what I think would have happened in the early church. How can you buy that meat that's been sacrificed to idols? I'm not trying to be judgy and unkind, but it just rips against everything in my conscience because do you know how my family lived for hundreds of years sacrificing yeah. a Molech yeah. or whatever? And, and hopefully the passion can be a little more <laughs> subsided. But I think that's a great conversation to go, you know, I, and what does Romans 14 and 15 say? I'm surely not going to do that when we're sitting down together. Yeah, I'm not going to feed that to you when you come to my house. So it's always about my, my love for you supersedes any of these gray area convictions I'm going to have. And I'm not going to partake or I'm not going to talk about my thing. Be, and try to win you to that because of where you're coming from, yeah. how that affects you. So I just think that humility is really powerful because this is in that same conversation I had earlier today. I said, you know, it's fascinating how maybe one good reason for humility in and of itself is on some of these gray areas. I've changed my mind over the years. Yeah. So how fascinating is that? Again, not core doctrines, yeah. but in gray areas. I went to the wall and even said, I can't have fellowship with you because I do or I believe or I am or whatever. And then now, five years, 10 years later, I changed my view on that. And like, we had a feud for nothing. Yeah. Because I was actually willing to change that posture on a thing that wasn't biblically black or white, right or wrong. Yeah. And so I think even that, it keeps me in a place of humility to be able to go, I can't accept you and I'm not going to make that the mountain between us. Yeah. And who even knows, maybe when, at one point, one or the other of us changes a conviction and that's even easier. Yeah. There's not even that potential rift now because we actually see that gray area the same way. Yeah. No, it's so true. I think that we have to be operating out of a belief that we know the right way to do something when we're willing to break relationship because you are saying in doing that you are so in the wrong in what you've decided to do that it makes no logical sense for me to have a relationship with you and so you have to just be so so convinced that your way is not the right way it's the only way and people who would choose any other way are out of their minds and it's not worth even doing life with them because they're not sane right like i mean that's the level that and that sounds crazy when you like really start to work that mm -hmm. out 
that's how most of us are living our lives though, mm -hmm. right? Like if you like really start to walk it out, it's like, man, I, I am living with some of that level of conviction over some of these issues that it's not as clear as black and white as I want to make it. Yeah. And it becomes a, a lot more about thus saith Jackson yeah. than thus saith the Lord. And that's what I want to keep coming back to is what does he say and how am I submitting to that? How am I getting under that? And man, these practices are a great way, a great place to start. And it's not this like agree to disagree or agree that we'll never speak about it, right? Like, I mean, you think about um, Jesus's disciples where you've got the tax collector and the zealot in the same group. I mean, one guy is like, I will literally assassinate political leaders. And then the other guy is like, I literally have sold my life over to those political leaders <laughs> and I'm making a bunch of money doing <laughs> exactly. it. Exactly, profiting yeah. from it. And so it's like they have, they politically have nothing in common at all. Yeah. Yet Jesus calls them to be part of the same group to do life with him for three years. And you don't think that ever turned into a spirited conversation yeah, down the road? Imagine that conversation around the fire at night. Yeah. <laughs> so Matthew. Yeah. It's like you literally got one guy that is killing political leaders. That was his job before Jesus. And then you got another guy who is literally sold out to those political like that's makes, gonna get awkward. It makes you wonder if they had nicknames for each other, like uh -huh. sellout, uh -huh. and, you know, murder. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I mean you're right, just within the disciples, that's a great example of Jesus, in a sense, kind of forcing, and, and what was the glue? Jesus. Yeah. Relationship to him and what he called them to have relationship to each other, but not your political opinion or side. Yeah. And it really, it forces Jesus to be the most important thing to you. And I think that's what we have to stress so much about this accept one another concept. There is a high level of spiritual maturity required to pull mm. this off. Jesus personally to you has to be the most important person. But then also when it comes to those, because Romans 14 and 15 is really clear. If you don't have a conviction about something, but somebody else does, you submit your freedom to that person's conviction. It requires maturity around the convictions that people have to not just get so convicted and worked up about every living thing under the sun. Yeah. Because otherwise your mature brothers and sisters are gonna keep submitting their freedoms to that and you could take advantage of that real easy like well i run the show now yeah i get to decide what we do and don't do based on how frustrated i get based on how worked up i feel and it's like that requires maturity to say well what is the threshold what is the level at which i have a conviction about something that i i can't engage in this that i can't go there that i can't do this because if you keep raising that flag over every issue it is going to make it harder and harder and harder for the rest of your brothers and sisters to live in accordance with the biblical yeah. authority in their well, life. Really, Jackson, as you walk that out, what you've just described are the headwaters of legalism. Yeah. Right? Like in the era I grew up in, I wasn't at these churches, but when it was, men need to wear, dress a certain way, women need to dress a certain way. And it wasn't just modesty. It was like this this even article of clothing yeah you, you know women need to wear a dress below the knee or whatever that that was more than just the culture there were churches that was stated yeah uh christian colleges that would you know spread into these areas of legalism about literally these sidewalks are for men these sidewalks are for women 
and, and you boil all that down. And I think there's often there was probably a heart that was after trying to protect people from themselves. But at the end of the day, they all became rules. Yeah. And what is a rule outside of God's black and white clarity of scripture is birthed out of a conviction. This is a gray area that I am making yeah. very solid. Everybody's going to have to do and it this everyone's way. Everyone's going to abide by it. So it's really interesting as we're talking and listening, going, yeah, that's actually the evolution of legalism yeah. is that my conviction needs to now become law. And interestingly enough, not just for me, but for everyone. Yeah. And I think that's why it's so important for us to, the, the centrality of this accepting of one another is submission to Jesus. That is where it all starts because there will be some who submit to Jesus and they would say, man, I have strong opinions about everything. Mm-hmm. And so in submitting to Jesus, they are reinforced in, man, I, I don't need to have strong opinions about everything. Maybe yeah. these three things, those still hit that level for me, yeah. but I, I'm going to, I got to cool it on these 80 other things that yeah. I had huge convictions on. And then there will be others that they're not convicted about almost anything that in being submitted to Jesus, they'll say, no, but this is a big deal to me because it's a big deal to him. And so it's like, that's a good, like, yeah, Mm -hmm. it it brings us all to a central place. And if you get outside of that, you're going to start doing damage to people and to this concept of accepting one another. So maturity required, I think, for what's ahead. Then you get into the baggage that's, connected to this idea today of accepting, which is like you said this weekend, never really historically been there. This is a very new way that we're looking at the idea of acceptance. And um, you, you kind of pointed at what our culture is asking for as approval. And I would even say our culture might even be looking for promotion yeah, beyond approval, right? Yeah. So it's not just that you'd be cool with what I'm doing, but like if you accept me, then you're going to promote my stuff. Like even if it's not your stuff, you're going to promote my stuff because you accept me. And so that's the level that we're at when we talk about acceptance and the seeking of acceptance, which is really the seeking of promote my stuff for me. And when we get outside of the people of God and we're called to deal with this tension of accepting and people are asking for our acceptance, how do we do that while also not going all the way down the line to approval and to promotion. Yeah. No, it's so good. I, I think that um, it's interesting, you know, we use that premise this weekend of unconditional love. Does God love me unconditionally? And I just remember that coming up in a seminary class and um, just having to, you know, I have a knee-jerk reaction to that, and that's a yes. But man, I just so appreciated my professor walking that out and, and really showing us, you know, biblically, that when you read a verse, we sang at Victorville this week, God so loved the world. When you read that, it doesn't give qualifications. Yeah. For God so loved the world, oh, the ones who were morally upright. For God so loved the world who was willing to you know, sacrifice to him or whatever. There's just no qualification of that. So he loved sinners and rebels. Obviously, so much more of the Bible speaks to that. So we've got to kind of walk away with 
God, God even loves people who he knows will ultimately reject him. So it's not even like I loved you knowing you'd change your mind, yeah, knowing yeah, yeah. you'd change your heart. Even when you don't. Even when you don't. And the, some that will die in their lack of belief and faith, that doesn't mean his love expressed wasn't there for them. Yeah. So we've just got to do away with any kind of caveating of accepting in terms of I, I cannot even have a relationship with you. I just don't see that from, again, what's the middle part of the verse, just as Christ accepted you. Yeah. So that's where this verse kind of, and we went there a little bit this weekend, it, it gets out of just the one another's to brothers and sisters, and now we're looking at, well, Jesus loved us before we were his brothers and sisters. Yeah. So now we've got to kind of Yeah, you go to that, that this is love, bit. that when you were rebels and yeah. sinners. Enemies. Enemies, God. yeah. So, so then as we think about that with people then in our lives, in our oikos, let's say, who aren't followers of Jesus, and let's say that's very much the cultural milieu that they love and live in, is that if, if you're going to, if I want you to accept me, and it means everything you said, approval and even promotion, now the Christian's got a difficult time because it's saying, the person is saying, I don't have to in any way not accept you not begin with there's a, a bridge for a relationship but then i have a real problem though approving and even promoting what god has so clearly said that is outside of god's will and design mm. so i think what i have to do and here's the interesting thing i think a lot of us are doing these gymnastics in our head but we're not really having this conversation mm. right part of it is we have differing levels of relationship with people in our oikos those who are not believers, some of them, they're still on the fringe in a lot of ways. We do life with them. We might work next to them. They might be our neighbors, extended family. But maybe because that common bond of Christ isn't there, we don't have real deep conversations and whatever. So on the one hand, they really might not verbalize to you, why aren't you accepting me? Mm. Because they think you aren't because of our cultural definition, but they don't make the comp conscious effort to bring that up to you and kind of confront you with that. I think it's the people we know well. Yeah. Right. So let's even kind of narrow that down to that group of unbelievers. It's ironically the people we know really well and then the total strangers. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's how it works, doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? Yeah. The ones that we know well might very well out of that depth of relationship challenge us with, I just feel so unaccepted by you. And I think when especially there's the cause for the conversation, either they make a statement like that or ask a question, or we just realize they're talking about something I'd kind of have to speak to it, I would just kind of say, number one, let the occasion provide the conversation rather than we're just sitting having coffee and it's like, you know, I accept you, but I don't approve of anything. I just yeah, don't know yeah, if that's yeah. going to do of any good whatsoever. Yeah. So, but let's say the conversation creates the occasion to talk about this subject. I think there's a way that we can, even just from biblical principles that we shared this weekend, say, you know what? Please don't ever misinterpret that I don't love you and don't appreciate and accept you as a human being. You might not use this phrase, but an image bearer of God created with great purpose and, and value. Mm. That, that's never off the table. That's always center. But... I have, uh, as a follower of Jesus, there's a real clarity to me about the way that he's called us not only to believe and have faith, but how we walk. And understandably, when you're walking a different way than that, I can't celebrate that. Mm. I, I just, I would be undermining the very thing I believe. I hope you can understand. Yeah. Like, I hope you can see the dissonance that creates for me. 
but also don't extrapolate that therefore I don't want to have a relationship with you. Mm. And that's never in question. That's at least some of the ways I've seen that handled or even I haven't had a lot of those conversations, but I've had a couple and been able to say, can you see it this way? I'm not writing you off. I'm not <clears throat> kind of putting that judgmental stamp of you're, you're unacceptable to me, but I have to define what acceptance means. Yeah. And I won't say like blanket that this will happen in everybody's situation, but I feel like in general, when you are investing in that person relationally, you show up to their games or you bring dinner over to their family or whatever that looks like for whatever that relationship is with that person. When you're investing in them relationally, you probably won't come to that conversation because they, you are living out your acceptance of them. Mm-hmm. It's that, in your behavior. Yeah, that you love them, that you're for them, and that you have their best in mind. You're demonstrating that in your actions. I think it's those, I think it's those relationships that don't have that relational investment from us as the believer in it, but we want to be vocal about what they're doing wrong or where they're outside of God's design. That's where we're generally going to have a lot of those conversations because it's like, well, who are you to say this to me? Because there's not been a whole lot of investment here. That relational equity. And so you say that you accept me, but your acceptance looks like indifference Mm. because it is. Or even judgment. Yeah, Mm. because it is, because it's outside of relationship, really. Even though there might be some kind of third-party connection or a way that we're an acquaintance, we haven't been investing in them relationally. And I think there will be that subset that just because of the cultural tones that are going on, you're investing in them relationally, but they want to define the terms of the relationship with everyone they're in relationship with. It's a weird cultural Kool-Aid that people are drinking. You can't do anything about it. Like that's just the, um, the sad but very true truth. They will likely walk out of your life and I don't think at fault to you. I think it's because they have bought the lie that they are allowed to define the terms of everyone they do relationship with. And the bummer part of that is for the people who really believe that and have clung to it is that they will end up whittling those relationships down to themselves because they're the only one who can meet the standard of what they're looking for. Yeah, and that's an interesting point. That's believer and unbeliever alike. Yeah. Meaning the Christians in their lives might kind of select out or be selected out sooner but at the end of the day there's really no one on the planet that is going to have that same degree of promotion and celebration of you than you you yeah (laughs) so i mean you're right that's just a a a tunnel to keep going down that really has no good end at the bottom yeah and so i think that's not something to like take as man i've failed as a believer in investing in this person no they I think anybody who thinks that they get to define the terms of every relationship they're a part of, and it's not a two-way street, I think all, all of those people who believe that will end up feeling pretty lonely and isolated because that's not how relationships work. Yeah. That's like lunacy to believe that when it comes to relationships. And so I think be okay if that loss happens. But if those conversations are happening in a relationship where that person maybe isn't there, I would ask the questions like, man, what is my investment level in this person? How, how much, how well have I been investing in them? Because that might be why we're having this conversation. Yeah. 
yeah, it kind of begs the question, do a little bit of just reflection on the relationship in general. Yeah, yeah. And then you land on this idea of God gets the credit when this goes well. And maybe just uh, kind of briefly, what what is the, why is unity so important? Paul talks about it all the time. God makes it clear in his word that that is his desire for his people, both Old Testament and New. That has always been his desire. And what is it about unity that brings God so much glory and credit? Yeah. Jesus made so much of that in the upper room discourse, the Mm -hmm. end of that conversation in John 17. You know, he prays for our unity and demonstrates the kind of unity that I have in the Father and the Father has in me. So you just kind of go, well, that's like off the chart. You know, we look at our own human frailties and the things that divide us and we go, can't even begin to fathom that. And he does use the word like, so I mean, yeah. there it's it's like he knows we won't have that to the same degree. But I think why one can make a case is just easier. Mm. Like meaning, if we can all be on the same page, it is so much easier to row in the same direction than have some people going the other way. So yeah. there's a real pragmatic value of, of unity that can often come in a false way. Like we all agree, right? And coercion, and now we're all, ro- but we're not necessarily there. So I think a true unity, it is pragmatic, I'll, I'll admit to that, but a true unity is such a demonstration, and this is what to me is so great about Romans 14 and 15, it's that quote that we use from a commentary this weekend, God gets great glory when Jesus puts on flesh and creates a way for God and man to be right with one another, but God gets a whole nother level of, of praise and glory when these um, formerly slaves to sin, Mm. now liberated, now brothers and sisters in the same body, they can get over themselves and have a unity. So it's almost like it goes down a generation. Here's the father and the son having this kind of unity from eternity past all the way beyond. Then you have this unique uh, season of the God-man and what he provides for us. And that's like, God, I can't believe you you do that for them. <laughs> They're yeah. rebels and enemies. But then when the enemies do that towards each other, you just mm. got to keep going, man, that just keeps expanding just the grandeur of God, yeah. that it's not just in the heart of God, but it becomes embodied by his people. Mm. And then the wild thing is, is that that phrase, I read it this week, uh, it was in chapter 14, verse 19, let us make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. It's the same phrase, let us make every effort to maintain the bond of the spirit or the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Mm. So it doesn't happen passively. And I've loved that since I came to HDC. Pastor Tom, I've heard him so many times say, our unity isn't something we have to find. Yeah, It's already there in the person of Christ, but it is absolutely something we have to fight for to maintain because yeah. it is not just going to happen naturally. Hence, problems with gray areas. Like, well, yeah. I like this and you're wrong. And nope, we're not going to let those be the issues because they don't matter as much. And our unity matters way more. Yeah, That very next phrase, by the way, I didn't read it this weekend in verse 20, do not destroy the work of God mm. for the sake of food. Mm. <laughs> like, It's a great line. Understand the value of things. Look what God has done to bring you together. Don't let silly things like what kind of food divide you up again. Yeah. And I think there's something interesting biblically when you look at um, 
the Tower of Babel on. It's kind of the last time in human history that humans are united around something other than God. Mm. And his confusion that he brings to that situation and their speech and then the culture and all of those things that kind of begin rippling out from that, I think ultimately leads us to a place that unity can only be found in yeah. God. And so we're it's very naturally disjointed naturally. Yeah, we're disjointed naturally. And so it was like you need something bigger than yourself to rally around, to be unified. And I think I don't think God got scared in that Tower of Babel situation. But I think that's what God saw. That was the danger to human history is, wow, look, they have found something bigger than themselves to get unified around. And if that's anything other than me, that's going to create some real problems for the rest of human history. Yeah, you can make based on what you just said, you can make a case that was the biggest idol up until that time. Yeah. The idol of we are going to be self-sufficient and yeah. we'll rally together. And if we all come together, then maybe we can pull it off and mm. do it. And so that confusion now means that unity, I think, looks ever increasingly strange to people mm. because it's not natural anywhere. Yeah. You can't find it. You can find falsehoods of it in your political party or in iPhone versus Apple or in the sports team that you root for. But at the end of the day, all the people who are a fan of that team, still this group of people think we should cut this guy and this mm. group of people think we should trade for this guy. There's no unity there. As yeah. much as we feel like there's camaraderie, true unity is only found in God. And that is this much bigger thing than ourselves that if we live in submission to him, it becomes so natural to be unified yeah. and it looks so unnatural to everybody else. And that's why to me, that was the last point in the message this weekend is there is an unbelieving world who is very aware of what you just said, that we don't naturally find unity in much of anything. The last three years would very much demonstrate that in our own country. However, when they see brothers and sisters living in unity, and it's a, a unity that can't be just surface or just, you know, made up, pretend. When they watch believers who will lay aside lesser things for the sake of unity and for the sake of the gospel, I think they're going to see that as so winsome and so supernatural, mm. so unique mm. from the human experience. And we just want to keep dividing all the time. Yeah. So I love that. And I think it just, it just powerfully communicates. This is what happens. This is that one of the outcomes of the gospel mm. and there's really no other way to get there. Yeah, no, that's great. Well, I hope it's been an encouraging episode here for you on tangible takeaways. Uh, and as always, let us know if you've got a takeaway there in the comments. Don't forget to like the video, share it with a friend, and subscribe so that you get updates about future videos as well. Thanks so much for taking the time. Yeah, thank you for the invite. Yeah, that's all we have for this week. We'll catch you next week on episode 100 woo, woo. of Tangible Takeaways. We'll see you guys then.